people that get into that brand, they become mm -hmm. very, very obsessed with it and very defensive of it and very, they feel like they're part of some kind of a special family. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey everybody, we're back with another edition of the podcast. I'm David Allen from MakeWordsPay.com and we have a very unusual guest, I would say today, because it's sort of off the beaten track. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur, he's a, a socialite of some of some distinction, I think, in my, in my world after reading his book, I think. And he's got one of the most fascinating tales I've come across, a very sort of niched subject. Uh, Michael Tonello, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we were talking a bit off the air about sort of, uh, you know, I found your book years ago, and I don't, like I said, I don't really recall what how I stumbled on it. I think it might have been in a bookstore, maybe in an airport or something. I don't, I don't even know. But I remember thinking to myself, this sounds fascinating. And I don't know why I didn't buy it at the time or something. It must have been some story there too. But I eventually bought it on Amazon and, and read it and thought, boy, this is one of the such a great adventure tale. You're actually a very good writer. And so I was like, just sucked into your world of uh, handbags and international travel and intrigue. And it had sort of that air of like, almost like a James Bondian air of mystery and, and intrigue, you know, how you were going around the world. So maybe let's start at the beginning for people who haven't read the book. Sort of where were you and what were you up to when all this stuff sort of kicked off? Okay, so what, um, what happened is... Um, we go back to 1999. I was doing hair and makeup um, for print advertising. My big clients were like Dunkin' Donuts and, and uh, TJ Maxx and Marshalls and uh, Reebok. Um, a lot of the big corporations that are based in New England because I lived um, mm. near Boston. So a lot of the big corporations from New England. And uh, one day in January of 1999, I got a call from the agency that represented me. And they said they had just booked me for a um, one-week job for IBM for the ThinkPads. It was a bunch of quarter-page ads that would be running in Time Magazine. And we were going to be shooting it in Barcelona, Spain. And I would go there with a whole photo crew, and we'd be there for a week. So off I went with this photo crew. I had never been to Spain before. I'd never been to Barcelona, obviously. During that week, I really loved Barcelona, at least what I got to see of it. Because since I was working, I really only had the evenings free. What I saw that I loved, and I decided that I would return, um, I went back two months later on vacation by myself, stayed for about 10 days. And during that 10 days, I became obsessed with the city. I loved the food, the culture, the architecture, everything about it, the lifestyle. And I decided I really wanted to live there. And over the course of that spring and summer, I kind of like put my affairs in order, if you will. I sold off a bunch of things. I sold my car. I just did everything I could to get rid of extraneous things, pack up some extra money. And in September of 99, I moved to Barcelona. Uh, I quickly rented an apartment, which in Spain requires a five-year lease. Yeah, that's and crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't really do any research beforehand, <laughs> right. so that kind of caught me off guard. But, you know... I was so in love with the city. I was just like, you know, I'm just, I'm going with it all. So, I, and I love the apartment that I found. It, I mean, it, it took me several days to find it. I, we looked at a lot of places that I knew this 
I mean, when I saw this place, I knew it was the place. I signed the lease. And then over the course of the next several weeks, all of the boxes that I had arranged to have shipped there started arriving with all of my personal effects in them. And, you know, we start at this point getting into more like, you know, October, November, into, mm-hmm. into the fall, winter. And it being Barcelona, the temperatures were still in the, you know, mid to upper 60s, even close to 70. And all these boxes arriving and they're full of all my clothes and other things. But being a New Englander, a lot of my clothes were like cashmere and tweed and all mm. kinds of things for yeah. the long winters, you know. Yeah. And I had very little need for any of that there. And as I'm unpacking all this stuff, I'm thinking, what am I going to do with it all? And I decided I would start listing a few things on eBay. I had never... Um, sold anything on eBay previously. I had bought several things. I was a collector of um, uh, rare first edition books, modern first editions, um, like Lillian Hellman and Truman Capote. And, okay. Okay. So I, we, eBay was a good source for that for me for buying, but I had never sold anything. Right. So anyhow, I took a picture of this Polo Ralph Lauren cashmere scarf that I had bought at a Polo Ralph Lauren outlet store in Connecticut. I had paid $99 for it. I still hadn't even worn it. Um, it had the price tag still attached. I paid 99 bucks for it. <laughs> I listed it on eBay, seven day auction, just a regular straight auction, seven days. And the scarf sold for over $400. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah, like boom, <laughs> exactly. I was like, what? This was insane. I couldn't believe it. I loved it. It was like, you know, I mean, my first initial reaction, which I mentioned in the book, was like, somebody must have been like, like obsessed with plaid, you know right, what I mean? Because right. it was like this big brown and beige plaid thing. It was a guy in the Midwest anyhow sold that so uh i started looking through my things for more things to sell because i was like you know now everything has dollar bill signs on it for me i'm like wow so the second thing that i came across was this little orange box that um if you know the brand hermes which is a french luxury goods house kind of like chanel or louis vuitton or christian dior Hermes is a very old company that dates from the early 1800s. They used to make um, saddles and all kinds of things for the carriage trade. But um, in more recent years, they um, started becoming a very big company for silk and made all kinds of silk scarves. Anyhow, in 1992, I went to a... a black tie New Year's Eve dinner party in New York City. And I went into Bergdorf Goodman and I bought this Hermes silk scarf. It was three foot square. It was black silk and it had like gold equestrian stuff on it, like mm. saddles, you know, horse tack. Yep. So I wore it New Year's Eve under my tuxedo in New York. Following day, New Year's Day, I folded the scarf back up, put it in the scarf box. And now, seven years later, here it was, you know, showing up in Barcelona. <laughs> And I hadn't worn the scarf in seven years. So I thought, okay, I can easily sell this. So I took pictures of that, put it on eBay. Again, a straight seven-day listing, a straight auction. Mm -hmm. And that sold for more than $500. $530, if I remember correctly. Wow. Insane, right? I had paid $175 for it at (laughs) Bergdorf's in 92. So you more than than doubled your money. More than doubled, almost tripled my money. Here's the thing. More importantly, I woke up the following morning to about 10 or 12 emails from people that had been bidding on that scarf on that auction and they didn't win it. And they said to me, do you have more Hermes scarves? I didn't have any more Hermes scarves, but I wrote back to all these people and said, what are you looking for? And then they responded to me with all kinds of information, which I now call wish lists, because what I learned is just as there are people who collect stamps and coins, you know, shot glasses and who knows Mm -hmm. what else, there are people all around the world that collect Hermes scarves. Mm. Now, 
What I learned at the time, back in 99, was that Hermes only had about 15 stores in the United States. They had around 250 stores worldwide. So there were a lot of people living in a lot of places that couldn't get an Hermes scarf unless they bought an airline ticket and flew to another city where there was an Hermes store. So it was cheaper for them to pay my markup on eBay for a scarf than obviously to buy an airline ticket and a hotel room and all that sort of stuff. So the following day after I got all those emails, I went up to the Hermes store in Barcelona and I bought two more Hermes scarves and I put those on eBay. And again, I more than doubled my money. (laughs) What I didn't realize at the time, but I quickly learned was that Hermes also did not have a website at the time. Right. So again, as that auction was progressing, people were emailing me and asking me for specific things because these collectors all around the world were looking for specific Hermes scarves. Each year, Hermes does maybe half a dozen new designs. Okay. And they, they each have a name and they're designed by a specific artist, yada, yada, yada. It's very right. complicated, as is anything that, you know, collectors are usually involved in. It's kind of like art, if you will. Um, so anyway, we, long story short, within about four or five months, I was doing almost $25,000 a month on eBay <laughs> flipping Hermes scarves. Nuts! Yeah, it was crazy. It was insane. So... Uh, um, about six months into that, I got an e- uh, an email through eBay system from a famous celebrity out in Bel Air, California. And she said to me, I see you have a lot of Hermes scarves on eBay. And at that point, I still, I was adding a few more things. I had, you know, some Hermes bracelets and just a few small things that were easy to ship, lightweight, not terribly expensive, but that I could, you know, flip. So anyhow, she says to me in the email, do you happen to have an Hermes Birkin bag? Now, mm. I didn't know what a Birkin bag was at the time. I knew what a Kelly bag was because of Grace Kelly and it was very right. famous. I didn't know what a Birkin bag was, so I Googled it and I discovered that it was this famous like celebrity handbag made by Hermes. I thought, well, if I can double my money on these scarves, imagine if I can double my money on one of these handbags because they were really expensive, you know? Right. They were like 7,000 bucks. So I went to the Hermes store and asked for um, a Birkin bag and they said, oh, no, no, we don't have any. <laughs> so um, do you want me to continue telling this? Yeah, story? yeah well, one of the things I like to sort of, one of the things I liked about the story too was because in my other sort of career that I have going simultaneously, uh, I'm a professional magician. And so well, the thing I liked about one of the things I liked about your story was that you had sold a deck of cards to this famous, this girl who told you about the yep. Birkins, this famous yep. uh, singer songwriter. And I yep. thought for me personally, deck, decks of cards being strewn all over wherever I am usually, that's, uh, I I thought that was very uh, poetic from my point of view, I guess, that a uh, deck of cards has led you to the Birkin. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because that's right. She bought a deck of cards and when she received the cards, um, she saw that they were absolutely pristine, mint, as new as if she had herself bought them at an Hermes store that morning. Because, I mean, I literally was going into Hermes, (laughs) buying this stuff, just, you know, photographing it and putting it up for auction. So there was never any like use involved. You know, it wasn't like I was sitting around using this stuff and then reselling it. It was all very, you know, mint brand new. So she asked me about getting, you know, one of those bags. And of course I, I couldn't get the bag, um, 
on that first attempt, mm -hmm. but I was determined to get her a bag. At that point, I decided to rent a car because I knew that Hermes had a lot of stores in the south of France, which only was about a two and a half or three hour drive from Barcelona. So I rented a car and I drove to the south of France because I saw that I could hit the Hermes store in Montpellier and mm -hmm. Avignon and Marseille, Aix-en-Provence, Cannes, Saint-Tropez, all those sort of, you know, famous, like yep. chic little towns. And there are some very old Hermes stores there that have been in business for, you know, 50 or 75 years. Wow. And I thought, one of those stores has to have a Birkin bag, right? Right. So I drive to South <laughs> France, and I go into the first Hermes store, and I ask for a Birkin bag. And again, the same thing. They're like, we don't have a Birkin bag. And I was like, okay. I get in, I leave, I go in, get in the car, and I drive 45 minutes on to the next town. <laughs> and I went in. To the Hermes store and I asked for a Birkin bag and the salesperson looked at me with great disdain like I was some kind of a stupid idiot a, you know a, a stupid American tourist right and she was like there's a two-year waiting list for a Birkin bag now that was the very first time I had ever heard the term waiting list mm. I mean I'm like you have to wait two years to get a handbag it's <laughs> like, crazy I mean it was crazy I had I, and that but that was when I realized well I guess that's why this celebrity is asking me if I had one because even she can't get one because there's a two-year waiting list. Right. And we all know the people that have a lot of money and, you know, celebrities are used to getting things mm -hmm. right now, you know, or tomorrow yeah. because of, you know, you know, skipping the money. line. Yeah. Yeah. You jump the line. You mm -hmm. know, those velvet cords are only meant for the general public, not <laughs> for the rich and famous. That's right. Right. One day, I guess this was about six or eight months in, I decided to go to Madrid for the weekend to hit that Hermes store there because right. it was it's, it was one of the largest Hermes stores in Europe. It was a big store. So right. I thought they probably have a lot of scarves and I really wanted to do a big buy. So I went to um, Madrid for the weekend and I went into the Hermes store and I, at this point, I, I had all of these um, sheets of paper that I used to call wish lists. Mm -hmm. I had names, specific names of the specific scarves that specific clients were asking for. And I knew that if I could get those scarves, I wouldn't sell it directly to the client. I would put it on eBay in hopes of having a bidding war because I knew that one person specifically wanted that scarf. Right. Maybe one. All you need is two people somewhere in the world and you can have a bidding war, right? So um, I had these lists of scarves I was looking for. I went to the Hermes store in Madrid. I went in, I asked for all these scarves. I quickly piled up a pile of, I don't know, 15 or 20 scarves. And as we were doing this, you know, I said, I'm going to take all of these and, you know, I'm asking for other things. Mm -hmm. And then as a, almost literally as a second thought, just like randomly, I said, you don't happen to have a Birkin bag, do you? Mm. And the sales gal said, oh, I don't know. Let me look in the back. <laughs> now, that was the very first time that anyone at any Hermes store had said to me, let me look in the back. Because when I went on that road trip to the south of France, they all said, we don't have any Birkin bags or there's a waiting list. Immediate. Right. So when she said, let me look in the back, I thought, oh, well, that's good, right? Mm -hmm. And then two minutes later, she comes walking out of the back room with this big, huge orange box about the size of a portable television set. <laughs> and she comes over and puts it down on the counter in front of me and she opens this little drawer and she puts on a pair of white cotton gloves and she takes the lid off the box and removes the tissue paper and then she takes the bag out and she starts telling me all about the bag, like the specific information about the bag, like the, the size and the color and the material and all this stuff. 
of which I could not care anything about because I didn't know anything about handbags and I couldn't have cared less. Right. And you were, like, and you were in awe. Thinking, you were in awe. I was in awe. And I'm also thinking to myself, any moment she's going to remember that there's a waiting list and somebody's waiting for this bag or some manager's going to come over and tap her on the shoulder and say that bag's already sold. So I'm thinking... Like, I just wanted to pay for the bag and the scarves and get out of the store as fast as I could. So did you even have any idea, like, what it cost at that point? No. So what happened? No, I didn't. What happened was <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as I could get a word in, I said, I'll take it. And she stopped talking. She packed it all back up. We went to the cash register. They rang it up and all the scarves went up. I handed them my American Express card, swiped the card. Bang, I signed, I left the store, and I had two giant orange Hermes shopping bags, huge. And I left, <laughs> it in a taxi, went back to my hotel. In the taxi, I couldn't wait to get to the hotel. I was dying to open the box and look at this bag and, you know, see what the whole thing was all about, why there were people waiting two years for this thing. I get to the hotel, I open the box, and as I'm unpacking everything, I see the receipt. And I look at the receipt, and the receipt was for like $28,000. <laughs> And I nearly had a coronary right. because I'm thinking I got to pay for this bill in full at the beginning of the month because it's American Express. Mm -hmm. And I look and the bag was like, you know, 21 grand or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Who pays this for a handbag? I'm thinking, I thought it was a mistake. And I look at the receipt and I'm reading the receipt and I learned very quickly what I had bought was an Hermes crocodile Birkin bag Ooh. in anthracite gray, which was like a charcoal gray. Meanwhile, I'm like panicked because I've got to pay for this bag, you know? Right. So I very quickly took a photograph of the bag and I sent an email to that celebrity that had contacted me months ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, I have a Birkin bag. This is what I have. And I told her, you know, I wrote down exactly what it said on the receipt because I didn't know anything about it. So I just wrote down what it said on the receipt. Mm -hmm. And I added $5,000 to the price, and nice. about five minutes later, I got an email from her. It was one word, Y-E-S exclamation point. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. I made a quick five grand. Well, little did I know. I mean, now I know a lot better. I could have doubled the price of that bag. Okay. So, I didn't know. Yeah. So back then, yeah, you were kind of just flying by the seat of your pants, yeah. Yeah, I was green. I didn't know anything about that whole world at that point, but... Um, a few minutes later, I get another email from her assistant, and she said, you know, I am the assistant, blah, 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 blah. I will make payment arrangements with you and shipping arrangements. And she said, um, my client is leaving for Paris in two days. She'll be staying in the Coco Chanel suite at the Ritz in Paris. Could I arrange for you to ship the bag there? And I thought to myself, this celebrity, Coco Chanel, sweet Ritz, I'm going <laughs> to deliver the bag. Yeah, good idea. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I bought an airline ticket and I flew to Paris several days later. Mm -hmm. And I was very graciously um, welcomed into the Coco Chanel suite. And I sat there for about half an hour and I chatted with this celebrity and she was a, fell in love with the bag. She had already paid me by bank wire days before. Mm -hmm. And uh, she told me she wanted more crocodile Birkin bags if I could get them. So when I left her, I went downstairs and I decided I'd stop in the Hemingway bar there in the lobby of the Ritz and have a glass of champagne to celebrate my good fortune. And I wanted to call my mom and tell her everything that just happened, right? Because my mother was a voracious reader and she, um, you know, would love the fact that I'm sitting in the Hemingway bar <laughs> and she would love the fact that I just made all this money and blah, blah, blah. So, 
I'm in the Hemingway bar and I'm like quietly on my cell phone speaking to my mom and I'm telling them the story. And halfway through the story, she says to me, you know, Michael, there's something I don't understand. And I said, well, what's that, mom? And she said, a few months ago, you did that road trip to the south of France and everywhere you went, they told you there was a waiting list of two years. So how did you manage to get a bag in, you know, 20 minutes in the store the other day in Madrid? And I said, I don't know. I just went in and I bought all these scarves and then I asked for the bag. And as I was saying that, I was mm-hmm. like, wait a moment. It was like this light went on in my head <laughs> because I realized that when I did the road trip in the south of France, I went into each store and just asked for a bag and they said they didn't have one or they said there was a waiting list and I left. But when I went into the Madrid store, I bought a whole bunch of things or committed to buying a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And as I was about to pay for those things, I asked for a bag. So I had this hypothesis that maybe it had something to do with the fact that I was buying all this stuff. So there I was in Paris, which is like, you know, ground zero for Mm -hmm. Mm Hermes. So I thought, okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get, wake up, I'm going to have a cup of tea, I'm going to get all dressed up, and I'm going to go into the, you know, flagship Hermes store, and I'm going to try and see if I can get another Birkin bag. That's what I did. The following morning, I got all dressed up. I went over to Hermes and I went in and I had all my wish lists and I went up to the scarf counter and I asked for all of these scarves. And I mean, I think I even asked for a lot of the exact same scarves that I asked for in Madrid because I wasn't <laughs> sure if one of those scarves was like a secret handshake. Oh, right, you know? right. Good thinking, yeah. Because this is all a work in progress. I don't know what's going on here, right? It's yeah. just a hypothesis, right? So as soon as I piled up about 10 or 15 scarves and I said, I'll take them all, and we started to walk towards the cash register, I just very sort of nonchalantly said, you, do you happen to have a Birkin bag? My mother would like a Birkin bag. Mm. And the salesman said to me, I don't know. Let me look in the back. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. Two minutes later, he came walking out of the back room with that giant orange or mess box. And when I saw that box... I knew right then and there that I was going to be the new Houdini of Hermes Birkin bags. <laughs> yeah, you sort of instantly knew, like I, you'd cracked some sort of code, some sort of formula. Yeah, it was a formula. It was a formula. And I'll tell you, a year later, I bought and sold $1.6 million worth of Birkin bags. Wow. And I bought every single bag at an Hermes store somewhere in the world. Like I went to just a different store every other day. Wow. So, I mean, it's all been like a really, really great experience for me and really exciting. And, um, and a lot of it is because of the fact that, you know, a lot of these people that were clients migrated to being what I, what I consider to, to be friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, a lot of times it's really all in who you know. And a lot of these friends have connected me with other friends and one thing has led to another. I mean, I recently launched um, my own brand, um, which is mm-hmm. – um, it's actually, it's funny because it's kind of come full circle. I've launched this brand <laughs> called Respoke, R-E-S-P-O-K-E. I took, I took a, a few words. I took the word reinvented, the word repurposed, and the word bespoke, combined them together to make this word Respoke. Mm. What I'm doing is I'm taking um, uh, iconic silk scarves from Hermes and Louis Vuitton and Chanel and Pucci, mm. and I'm sourcing them from like, major auction houses around the world and I'm buying them, and I'm bringing them to Spain, and I'm working with this um, very, very old, hundreds of years old workshop in Spain, and we're hand-making espadrilles. You know what espadrilles are? I don't know that, no. Espadrilles are these, um, it's like these, it's this footwear, the, the bottom of them is like this woven 
like straw. Oh, okay, I think I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they have some rubber on the bottom. They're very um, chic right now. They're very um, stylish and fashionable, and uh, mm. they're you know very sort of in vogue, if you will. Right. And um, we're hand making these espadrilles using this iconic silk scarves from all these companies. And just uh, a week or two ago, we got a big order from Bergdorf Goodman, mm. and we have a meeting uh, today with Neiman Marcus, and we've launched our own website. And so it's all come full circle because you know my very first. <laughs> Huge success on eBay was selling an older Hermes scarf, and now here I am making espadrilles with Hermes scarves. So, <laughs> it's crazy how the world works. It is so crazy. It's like, and I just like I pinch myself each day, and I'm like, you know, I love it. It's just yeah. great. I love it. Certainly, I found uh, something you're passionate about too. I think, I think, you know, reading the book and sort of not knowing what had happened, you know, in the interim ten years or whatever since it sort of uh, you finished, I, I always sort of thought to myself. I know. I wondered if Hermes had ever considered bringing you on, you know, as some sort of like spokesperson or something like that, because it was obvious to me, even though that you were working the system, you know, and sort of figured out their formula and sort of exposed them for their waiting list nonsense and their sort of marketing angles. Uh, but also you were super passionate actually about, you know, the people certainly who mm-hmm. have bought all the stuff from you and you sort of had this respect for the fact that even though it's like these crazy prices and crazy handbags and like, how can this stuff be worth it? You still had like an empathy for, you know, Hermes cause it changed your life. And I thought, yeah. I always thought I want you know, I wonder if that ever crossed Hermes's mind to sort of uh, reach out to you to sort of uh, turn it from a, almost an adversarial relationship perhaps into something uh, more mutually beneficial. It's interesting. You know, a lot of very intelligent people who I know have said the same thing because they thought, Though their thinking is, you know, it's sort of better to have the enemy on your side than on the other side. Mm-hmm. And if Hermes kind of thought of my, me as being sort of the enemy, if you will, then, um, I mean, because the thing is, when you read my book, and if you were to watch all of the interviews or, or listen to all the interviews that I've given since the book came out, I never say anything bad about Hermes because, no. you know, I love Hermes. I've changed my life. And, you know, did, were they not perhaps the most honest about how they handled the selling of the product. Well, you know, that's up people to make a decision about. But, sure. um, you know, the thing is, uh, my book is very mainstream and Hermes mm-hmm. is not very mainstream. So in some ways, my book brought the Hermes brand yep. much more into the mainstream. And that's been a great thing for Hermes. Sure. I certainly got a lot more publicity for Hermes than anybody else in recent years that I know of. Absolutely. And I, and I really, you know, personally, not, and I'm certainly not their demographic perhaps, but certainly for me, like I knew nothing about uh, Hermes. I hadn't even, you know, I don't think I'd even heard of them when I read your book, uh, even though they've been around since like 1837 or something. You know, yeah. I, so for me, you know, I'm sure a lot of people perhaps had that. And maybe the people were into some lesser things, lesser price point handbags, maybe have been awoken to a whole new world. Well, you know, that's interesting because when I um, was out on the West Coast doing publicity for my book, this was, you know, back in 2008, I had just been on, like, I forget what it was, the Today Show or Good Morning America or something in okay. New York. And then a day later, I was in L.A., and I came walking out of a parking garage on Rodeo Drive, and there was the Hermes store, like, kind of kitty corner across the street. <laughs> so I walked over to look in the window before I went to meet some editor at some restaurant, and as I'm standing there on the street looking in the window, this woman comes out 
And she says, excuse me, are you Michael Tonello? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> and she says, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm the store manager of Hermes. Oh, and, awesome. I thought, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God. She goes, we're in love with your book, and everybody in the store is reading your book. There's like three or four copies going around. Would you mind coming in and saying hi to people? <laughs> and I thought, oh, gosh. See, okay. she got it. She, she understood it. Well, you know what she said to me when we get inside? When we, I went inside. I had like 10 or 15 minutes to kill, so I went inside. Quickly had like a whole group of, you know, 10 people gathered around talking and laughing. And she said to me, you know, there are, ever since you started with all this publicity, there have been people coming in the store thinking they can buy the book here. Well, obviously, they can sell the book. But she goes, you know what? A lot of them buy a bottle of cologne or something like that while they're here. Mm. So we're thrilled because you right. brought like a whole new group, of, a whole new audience, a whole new customer base to us. We couldn't mm -hmm. be happier. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, as a person who's into marketing and, and sales, uh, you know, I think they really missed the boat. If I had gotten, if I was the head of Hermes, you know, maybe they have these sort of, I don't know, maybe they are more snooty than I'm giving them credit for perhaps. But, you know, maybe uh, I would have capitalized, I would have had that book in that store the next day. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? They're very French. They don't think the way we do. Right. You know? That's clear, obviously. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. That's amazing. It's an amazing story. I'm so glad I stumbled across your book. Uh, you've been uber generous with your time to come and talk with me about uh, all your uh, insane adventures and anybody uh, listening to this eventually I hope get, get the book man because there's so much more we didn't even touch on and it's so much so much exciting and uh, insane stories it really makes you think about other for me anyways it made me think about other things out there that might be like this you know that remain undiscovered perhaps uh, yeah that's the thing you know and i get emails from people now occasionally all across the world that are like you know i loved your book i read your book i really want to try it and create some kind of a business can you give me any kind of suggestion uh, and i like they all feel like i had some kind of a formula for for, for <laughs> right. how can they replicate something and you know and it's like I said before, and it's so true. It's like find something that you either know a lot about or love and really want to learn a lot about. Because you, you need to be able to mm -hmm. answer every single question that people throw at you intelligent, you know? Right. And you can, people, I mean, I think the sky's the limit. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of figuring out what the product is or what the item is or what the service is and just really go for it. Yeah. And I think too, you know, in some ways your, your work can be seen as like an expose, I guess, of sorts of the marketing and selling processes behind Hermes in regards to their Birkin bags, especially, I guess. But also those are, those are, if you look at it from a different perspective, those are actually very clever marketing things that they've done to grow their brand into billion yes. dollar, you know, brand. So true. So, so true. You can see it from a number of different perspectives and, and those are all things that are usable in other, in other venues. Yep. I agree. Fantastic. Now, people, if, if people want to get a hold of you, Michael, uh, where should they go? Um, they can go to my website, michaeltonello.com. Okay. And there's a contact button on there. And I, every one of those messages comes directly to me. I read all of them and I respond to all of them. Awesome. Awesome. And now you got your book has been optioned, uh, you know, for a movie perhaps. Yes. And you have this uh, new clothing company of sorts yep called with spoke r-e-s-p-o-k-e dot e-s great that sounds very i really exciting. want to thank you so much for your enthusiasm and interest because that's the kind of thing that i mean uh, is so invaluable to writers you know it's really great so i really do appreciate you reaching out 
No problem. No problem. It was a pleasure reading the book. I think you are a great writer because, uh, I mean, it was one of those page turners I couldn't really put down. Uh, <laughs> the combination of the uh, of, of your writing ability and the, the material, the content. It was, it was a pleasure having you on the show, and I really want to thank you for making the time. My pleasure. Anytime. Awesome. And for everybody else listening, uh, hopefully we'll have our next guest will be as exciting and as adventurous and uh, have so many interesting things to say as Michael. So until next time, we'll talk to you later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.